John, the headlines write themselves. <clears throat> Excuse me. What? Sorry, I was just coughing. I was what? just coughing because I was aghast, aghast at looking at the box office returns, Greg. Greg, Crazy Rich Asians is a bona fide hit. Exactly. As I said, the headlines write themselves. Mm-hmm. Crazy Rich Asians makes crazy money at the box office. <laughs> Greg, what do you think of Crazy Rich Asians? Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. Mm, neither have I. What do you think of the book, Crazy Rich Asians? Uh, I haven't read it. Neither have I. Uh, well, this but John, is a what's topic. important is representation. That's this what matters. Is, this is also true. And that's and what's most important, I think, is representation that people want. <laughs> because were this, um, you know, people at Foxconn factories? Um, <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> yeah, Got to bring that jumping up. Jumping off wow. buildings. I well, it's I'm in sharp relief to the notion of crazy rich Asians, and namely the people of Singapore. We should probably explain. That's where the story is really said. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's not only can you identify with again the nationality i also find it weird that we are identifying we're all lumping these people as asians <laughs> like asians asia is a big continent with several different countries and hundreds of different cultures like uh, the fact that you know i i have a number of korean friends chinese friends who can all like you know come together and adore this movie is is not and you know enjoy what it represents that's nice mm-hmm. but still i true. but Again, I have no experience with it. I can't speak to it. Um, haven't seen it yet. Um, we'll see if I do wind up seeing it. So I, I'm sure that, that's I'm all sure. I have to say. Yeah, John, your thoughts. <laughs> torch, um, torch. <laughs> uh, oh, oh. Do you want me to? Do you want me to get out the oven mitts? Because I have hot takes. Hot takes. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. I, I, well, let me get my sunscreen ready. All right. <laughs> okay. Yes. Only the hottest of takes here at Aspiring mm-hmm. Snobs. Um, I don't know. It just from the reviews, it sounded like it was just a kind of bog standard romantic comedy and is that really what we want is that really like the least that these people can expect uh, these people um <laughs> you mean you mean critics because yes. that's that's the only lens you're viewing it through that and people on twitter who are like this is so important <laughs> exactly it's kind of i feel like it's again it's happening the same thing happened with um black panther where it's like mm. yes it's great to see a, a cast that represents a, a certain group of people that you don't tend to see on screen or in that kind of movie but at the same time it still kind of doesn't differentiate from the template that it's playing with that's what kind of bothers me about this whole situation (laughs) granted i haven't seen the movie and i really can't judge but i don't know from my from an outsider's perspective it seems like yeah if if you're gonna make a movie make it interesting that's my that's my call well again john you haven't seen the movie so maybe yeah, Maybe fair. you will find interest, uh, just general interest in the in the inner workings of a of a uh, ultra wealthy Singapore culture. Mm-hmm. I guess this is true. Also, it, I heard it ends with an uh, with a climactic mahjong game, so that sounds interesting. Oh, I do want to nice. see that on screen. <laughs> yeah, is it all Chinese grandmothers? That's really what I want to. <laughs> no, it's all why Jewish was the movie? Why wasn't it, yeah? Why wasn't it called Church Lady slash Chinese Grandma? Why wasn't it a mahjong tournament? I would watch a movie about that. Oh my gosh, that would be that will be the next one. When yeah. next year, when we get the big mahjong tournament film, everyone's gonna be like the next Crazy Rich Asians, and it'll make Buffo <laughs> box office. Buffo, it's, it's greenlit. It's what, yeah. what's what's it when it, it speeds to the pipeline? What is that called? Uh, fast tracked. It's fast tracked. <laughs> yeah. My my screenplay for the mahjong tournament is fast tracked. Yeah. Personally, I can't get over the imagining the pre-2011 version of this movie that would be called Crazy Rich People, <laughs> starring Jennifer, starring Jennifer Aniston and Justin Theroux. Oh. <laughs> Did they break up? I heard they broke up. 
I, Jennifer I, I ever find love? Wait, are they? Oh, they are spouses. What? Yeah, why did the name Justin Throw come up immediately associated with Jennifer Aniston? I don't know. We don't prepare for the show, <laughs> unless you can tell. <laughs> the only way we prepare is by watching the movie that we discuss week after week. Yes. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, for first-time listeners, thank you very very much for tuning in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Greg. This is my twin brother, John. Hello. And we discuss classic movies that we have not seen yet um, in, an, in an attempt to become cinephiles and, and film snobs. Exactly. And this week, we watched what is considered required viewing, the 1960 mm-hmm. French film, Breathless. Les femmes au volant, c'est la lâcheté personnifiée. Pourquoi elles dépassent pas Ah oui, merde, des travaux. Il ne faut jamais freiner. C'est comme disait le vieux père Bugatti. Les voitures sont faites pour rouler, pas pour s'arrêter. Merde, la flicaille. Oh, crocodile a sauté. Bien, Jacques. Sorry, John, what's that word again? No, Fran- <laughs> I believe. Oh. I believe I, what's the? Where's the country of origin from? It. Is oh, this it, movie is, is France, France, Greg. It's France. 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 I, Greg, I love France, especially their cuisine. <laughs> they have this fabulous mm. sandwich called the dip. <laughs> it's nothing but roast beef, and you just dip it in this delicious sauce. They also have this great dressing you can put on salad. I just, oh, I'm so sophisticated. I'm eating nothing but French cuisine. Listen, everybody loves au jus, which is, you know, <laughs> of course, at the game, you know, because you only need one hand. <laughs> It's perfect. All right, so don't don't you dare be smirched. The fine, the fine folks of of low class French cuisine. Okay, <laughs> of, course, of course, even low class. I, I'm sorry. Would you rather have Jack in the Box? Come on. Uh, oh, don't make me choose Sophie's <laughs> Choice over here. Um, <laughs> but Greg, this film is considered one of the earliest representations of French New Wave, <laughs> French New Wave, <laughs> or the Nouvelle Vague Francaise. Oh, okay. Um, if you will, yeah. Greg, With please. Exp- uh, I mean, I know, but please explain to <laughs> explain to our audience what French New Wave is. Yeah, um, even if you're not a cinephile, you may have heard of this term before. Um, this was a, a cinematic revolution in the uh, late '50s and early 1960s, um, wherein a bunch of a load of French critics, including Francois Truffaut and um, the director we're going to talk about here, Jean-Luc Godard, um, started writing about writing about their adoration and and intellectual rigor of classic Hollywood movies, particularly those of Alfred Hitchcock. Mm. And so, yeah, this was a golden area of Hollywood, and the French and these French folks were so enamored by it. In fact, they started a whole magazine dedicated to it called Le Cahier de Cinéma, um, or Notebooks on Cinema. <laughs> it's a, oh, it it's sounds, a tough it language. Doesn't, it doesn't sound as fancy when it's in English. <laughs> I know. It's a tough language, French. <laughs> okay. But in any event, John, they started out as critics, but mm. I don't know who decided. Somebody said, like, hey, 
we could probably do better. <laughs> I mean, we could probably figure this out. But isn't that so, the, isn't that the standard criticism against film critics? Is oh, why aren't you oh, going to make your own movie? <laughs> absolutely, and it's a pain in the ass. However, France is flush after World War II. It's a time mm. of peace. You know, whatever's going on in the Southeast Asia doesn't matter. It's fine. Yep. Um, <laughs> doesn't affect back home so they did get some financing and they started to put some movies together um one of the first i can't remember it this but this officially started in back in the uh, mid 1950s however really the films that are emblematic are the 400 blows by Truffaut and mm-hmm. this movie breathless and i think when they think of french new wave they they're thinking of breathless because it was a little more radical um again they had a deep appreciation for uh classic hollywood but mm-hmm. that was a very uh, again as as the word implies classical it was a very straightforward approach with breathless uh godard you know took a drag on a cigarette and said f it you know i'm just going <laughs> to do what i want so he barely worked with a script um had a skeleton crew and just kind of shot around uh paris mm-hmm. and what you wind up is with a lot of experimentation, namely uh, long takes. That's what they're known for um, mm-hmm. because they didn't have a whole lot of time and they just got to get it all done in one take. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the jump cut uh, because they, like uh, every other movie that's made, um, is is uh, bound by the strictures of commerce. And his producer said, get this down to 90 minutes. And, what, and necessity <laughs> being the mother of invention. <laughs> um, he just cut out all the boring bits between people aren't talking and that led to the uh, jump cut. Okay, and the jump cut is when it cuts to basically the same exact frame. Yes, and your okay. brain and your brain can basically process that time has passed. Okay, got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's all like right. a, it's like a time machine, really. Okay. Well, yeah. You, you, all right. So I have three questions here. What is French New mm-hmm. Wave? You answered that. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You answered my second question. What is the jump cut? All right. So my yeah. third question: Why do I hate it so much? <laughs> <laughs> well, for one thing, it's France, and we obviously you, we know that you hate the frogs. I do. I do. I do. I love their cuisine, but oh, I hate they, their people. <laughs> yeah. And this is a namely a well, namely a film about French people, um, with the exception of the lead actress, who we'll who we'll discuss later. Mm-hmm. Exquisite, exquisite, um, pixie. Cut. But also, mm. we can lay we can lay it at the feet um, of the, the filmmaker himself, Jean Luc Godard, um, mm-hmm. who of the French people is probably the most French person, <laughs> just the most French. Yeah, again. A, I, I didn't use that term lately. He li- literally has a blasé attitude towards everything and is okay. always experimenting and always um, screwing with people, even to today. Um, mm. His last his last film was called Goodbye to Language, and essentially an art piece um, yeah. shot in 3D because you think, oh, 3D that's for the that's for the plebeian masses, not for <laughs> sophisticated uh, not for sophisticated students of film like Adar. And he said, nope, I'm going to try it out because <laughs> okay. I don't care I don't care what anybody thinks. In fact, I'm going to do the opposite of what people thinks of what people think. So. I, th- I think maybe that's where that's where you <laughs> your uh, your animus towards the movie really uh, comes up. Yes, uh, I did not enjoy myself in this film, and part of it is like, all right, John, let let yourself be taken away. Not everything has to be like stringently structured. Not everything has to be like ultra tight and serious. But this is just like such an amateur production. I don't get it. <laughs> it's like again, if this came out twenty years later, this would be like a bad VHS copy that you would like. You know, they would put it on for, like, Mystery Science Theater. It's so bad. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Well, John, the problem with the cutting edge is that you it's sharp and you can hurt yourself. So, oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's what happens here. But maybe you could speak to some – what exactly rubbed you the wrong way in the opening, in the opening moments? Um, because our protagonist, our hero, mm-hmm. whose name is – oh, shoot. I don't know. Michel. Michel. Uh, Michel. Michel. His name is – yeah, whose name is Michel. It's 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 Michael he, without the E. 
because yeah. it's French. So therefore, <laughs> and it's they pronounced piss you off. Yes, and it's yeah, <laughs> yeah. So maybe the, more uh, more things emblematic of France will uh, anger you later. But he announces straight from the, straight from the top that he is an asshole. This is and very true. <laughs> strains strains like ability at the very particularly when um, he's dismissive towards women and later kills a police officer. Is that <laughs> is that what turned you thing. off? Yes, the two worst things a man could do. He yeah. negs this poor woman constantly and then kills a police officer. So you know, obviously not a very likable guy. Um, no. But the, like early on, again, we're just like following him and he's just like talking to himself. And I thought like, all right, where is this going? Is he like addressing us, the audience? Does he know he's being uh, yes, watched? Yes, John. Yes, he's breaking the fourth wall, which oh, is another okay. another thing that's uh, emblematic of uh, let's say Godard's laissez-faire style. He's like, let's let's try this out and see what happens. Okay, um, great, because great. I'm I'm so immersed in film, I'm gonna I'm gonna point out the fact that we're watching a film here okay. outside of actually turning the camera around and looking at a crew <laughs> he did everything short of that yeah in fact i'm surprised that the crew didn't end up in a few shots because again it's so lazy and lackadaisical <laughs> it's, it's like, lazy okay <laughs> and, and again speaking of the restraints that he was under he, could, he didn't have time for a lot of setup so he shot pretty much everything handheld mm. So that is also the result, I think, of the somewhat amateurish quality that you're complaining about. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's particularly one moment where maybe he just didn't have enough cuts. It's when our, our hero, Michelle, is on the run. He does get uh, pinched by a motorcycle cop. Let's not, yes, let's not gloss over this. The whole plot of this movie is he kills a cop. That is, <laughs> well, that a, is well, the John, thriller element of this too. movie. <laughs> yeah. He's, well, he's a bank robber, too. Don't, and don't he steals cars. That. He steals tons yeah. of cars. He steals cars that thankfully have a revolver in the uh, in the, <laughs> in the in glove compartment. <laughs> so yes, I could see, I could see where you could play because this does seem like a very amateur setup. This seems like something a a middle schooler would write um, <laughs> after they saw Pulp Fiction for the first time, which also has a huge influence on this movie. But in any event, mm-hmm. uh, I, you're right in that the setup, the first twenty minutes are very discordant. Um, we're all over the place, and it's, it looks particularly amateurish when he does go, find the gun in the glove depart- compartment. Department. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the glove department. Yeah. I need to go to the glove department immediately. I have important yeah, glove for I, I know, and trade it in for this gun. <laughs> he does get pulled over by the motorcycle cop, mm-hmm. and it's a quick like. Cut to a close-up of the gun, cut to the motorcycle cop falling over, and then he's running through a field with this ridiculous music. I'm not sure. It, felt, it feels like worse than stock music. It's the worst music you've ever heard from a 50s film ever. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. And again, like, that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about like, the amateurish production. We get like literally 12 frames of the cop like falling over and then cut to a completely different location where he's running away. And then for the rest of the movie, he's just like hanging out, just like, oh man, I killed this cop, so now I'm guy like on the run. It sucks. Like, I, at a certain point, on, you have to have still your characters factoring into the plot, though. <laughs> yeah, but it's like give it the gravity it deserves. Yeah, all right, fine, uh, fine. So, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Every film has to be uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey. <laughs> I mean, but that's the thing. It's like I couldn't divorce myself from wanting the higher stakes. Like, is that too much of me to ask, though? Like, well, this is like the same thing we what happened with me when we watched Blow Up. Is like, am, am I too stupid? Am I not getting something here? Or is just this dumb? Well, let me let me tell you what the movie kind of turns around. It's when he returns to Paris, in spite of the <laughs> fact that now he's a fugitive, marked for <laughs> death. Yeah, he returns to Paris and runs into Patricia. Yes, who is a, an American expat who's uh, selling pay, like the New York or the New York Herald Tribune. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> the and, paper uh, of record. <laughs> yes, the, the paper of record. And this is where it really comes around. There's a, there's, I think it's our first long take. She's just uh, selling paper, like just hawking papers in the middle of the street. And uh, he approaches her and just they start to uh, romance a little bit. Est-ce que tu m'accompagnes, Aaron? Oui, c'est idiot, je t'aime. Je voulais te revoir pour savoir si te revoir me ferait plaisir. Vous venez d'où, Monte Carlo? Non, de Marseille. Je suis resté samedi et dimanche à Monte Carlo. Fallait que je voie un type. Lundi, j'ai essayé de t'appeler de Marseille. Lundi et dimanche, je t'ai pas à Paris. New York Herald Tribune! Je t'en prends un. C'est gentil. Qu'est-ce que vous faites ici? C'est que vous détestez Perry. J'ai pas dit que je détestais, j'ai dit que j'avais beaucoup d'ennemis. Alors vous êtes en danger. Oui, je suis en danger. Tu veux pas venir à Rome avec moi, Patricia Et faire quoi là-bas On verra. Non, j'ai beaucoup de choses à faire à Perry, Michel. Et maintenant, qu'est-ce que tu fais Tu remontes ou tu descends les champs Qu'est-ce que c'est les champs Les Champs-Élysées. Ouais, il faut que j'aille à Avenue Georges V. Ok, je vous laisse. Allez, remonte avec moi. Jusqu'à la rue alors. Is where I was really captured by it. Like the first 20 minutes, like okay, I'm I'm picturing this as an amateur production, but here between the the slowly moving track, uh, them kind of pacing down this Paris street, I was really absorbed by it, and it's almost dreamlike. In even though it is like a using realistic film techniques, namely handheld camera and long takes, um, I was really wrapped up in this moment, um, and I think this is where people start to come around to the movie and really appreciate it, um, in spite of what. Godard was experimenting with earlier, fourth wall breaking, jump cuts, things like that. Here, um, it starts to come full circle uh, with our appreciation of Patricia. Mm, nope. <laughs> I was not invested in this relationship in the slightest because, again, the whole time he's just negging her, he's just an asshole to her, um, and she's just like, <laughs> you're poor, so poor funny. Poor quoi pa. <laughs> or as she would say, poor quoi pa. <laughs> I thought her French accent was actually quite nice. I thought you. Uh, that's because good. you don't speak French, bro. No, okay, fine. Excuse <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <laughs> it's it sticks out, but, but again, she's she's incredibly beautiful, and I think that that's probably what also gets the film critics panting when they speak yes. when they speak uh, breathlessly, as it were, about this movie and uh, the relationship they have. Um, because you're right, it is a uh, it's it's not exactly um, committed. Let's say um, no. Michelle desperately wants to sleep with her. She says no. Mm-hmm. And, he, and but I mean, he confesses to her. It's like I've slept with two women since you, and you know I didn't love them, so I know it's special. <laughs> Listen, John. Clearly, you're not versed in French culture. Right? Okay. That is, <laughs> I guess that's my problem. That I gets a hate, woman I hate voice in France. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> He's such a player. Yeah, I, indeed he is. That also leads to. And maybe another demerit to the movie is this, I think, 20 to 30 minute sequence that takes place entirely in her apartment. Um, oh my gosh, this was interminable. <laughs> also, it's just weird because he gets there first and the doorman's just like, oh yeah, I gave that key to this other guy who went up to your apartment. And she's like, okay, that's Because it's, Fran- it's a French John, who cares? It's gay Paris. <laughs> Let's just do whatever. It's fine. <laughs> Kill the cop. You know, it's, we'll get to it eventually. <laughs> but... To speak to the sequence a little bit more, again, and there's a lot more flirtation here. Uh, there's a lot more, let's say, character building because we do understand their motivations just a little bit more. Mm. Uh, she, she's obviously still uh, resistant to his charms, um, as as such as they are. <laughs> <laughs> 
But again, it's another it's another sequence that kind of wrapped me up um, in their relationship, uh, even if you weren't exactly absorbed. Because uh, again, I, I'm thinking of other movies of this era. Like compare this to The Apartment, mm. and how kind of staid and flat that feels, and how conventional it also feels. feels. Yeah. Whereas this one, I'm I'm definitely. I think in the intimacy of it and the fact that they really did shoot in this tiny apartment and the camera's right there in their faces, that, uh, yeah, I was just a little bit more taken in. I mean, I won't deny that this movie obviously has a style, but, Mm -hmm. again, we have to talk about the bones and, you know, the structure of it. And, again, A, it's not there because he didn't shoot with a script. Uh, B, it just feels banal and boring because, again, they didn't have any lines. He's just feeding them and they're just improvising and nothing what they really say matters. And then, thirdly, he killed a cop. Like this should I, be the important well, why can't part you get of the over, story. Yeah, you you can't get over these things. No, I can't. Get you can't over get this. over. He's like you can't like, get over the dead body be... and blow up. You can't get over uh, poor Lily Tomlin's suicide, uh, suicidal th- or sorry Shirley MacLaine's suicidal inclinations in the apartment. You get hung up on these little details. John, just be taken in. <laughs> I'm sorry if I want these important matters of life and death to be, you know, dealt with some reverence. Is that wrong of me, Greg? Is that I, wrong? Rever- well, again, these aren't... <laughs> they, we're speaking culturally at a time when things aren't being... Where we can be a little cheeky or a little irreverent, as it were. Mm. Um, I think also, yeah, maybe it's just a time capsule to a little bit more free love and speaking freely about, you know, how many women this this Michelle guy has slept with. Mm-hmm. Um how cosmopolitan this young Patricia woman is in her, I mean, short hair. I mean, <laughs> wow. Pixie cut. Goodness gracious. <laughs> yeah. Poodle dress. Oh, my. <laughs> so I think also where our appreciation for this movie can come into is its mise-en-scene and the actual time that it's depicting here in Paris. Um, well, and now granted, it's supposed to be a crime thriller <laughs> and doesn't exactly <laughs> deliver in the thrills department, nor the crime department, really, because Michelle's other motivation is just to get money from uh, his Italian friend. Mm-hmm, exactly. And I, that's the other kind of like underlying current thing, which again, if this is supposed to be a thriller, again, it's failing on every level. He basically just calls until his Italian friend answers. <laughs> mm. There's also, well, there's also her career, too. She's got a, you know, she's concerned with her own, uh, her, she has her own character as well. Um, turns out she's a reporter, in addition to just being a, a newspaper salesman. And uh, she goes to a, another famous scene uh, where she goes to a press conference on the rooftop of an airport. I can't think of a worse place to have a press conference. <laughs> and she gets nicked by another famous writer. So good for her. She's yeah. really making it work. Working girl. Yeah. The man yeah. in your life treats you like shit. I, yeah. The, the writer is played by another uh, noted French filmmaker named uh, Jean-Pierre Melville. Mm. Speaking of the kind of unreal hypnotic uh, quality of this film the the press conference it, he's released a new book and the press conference is solely about like what are you, what are your thoughts on romance do you believe do you believe it's real <laughs> Like, what do you I'd be think? fascinated. Yeah, I'd be fascinated if a press conference like this happened today. <laughs> yes, like, let's just sit down and then uh, give us all your thoughts on existence. You know, ten words of yes. mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have a lot of column space here. <laughs> exactly. Est-ce que vous croyez que la femme a un rôle à jouer dans la société moderne? Oui, si elle est charmante, si elle a une robe avec des rayures et des lunettes frilées. Par Olesco, la phrase de Casanova, selon laquelle il n'y a pas de femme qu'on ne puisse séduire à force de lui imposer de la reconnaissance. Cocteau, à travers le testament d'Orphée, répondra. Combien d'hommes, à votre avis, une femme peut-elle aimer dans sa vie je, je veux dire physiquement.
Pardon, s'il vous plaît, Plus que ça. monsieur Parvoulesco. Il n'y a pas moyen de travailler. Mademoiselle, pas dans le champ. Non, mais mademoiselle, vous êtes dans le champ. Il y a deux choses importantes au monde. Pour les hommes, les femmes, pour les femmes, l'argent. Ah, vous voyez bien, vous êtes pessimiste. Dès qu'on voit une belle fille avec un type qui a du fric, on peut dire automatiquement qu'elle, c'est une fille bien, et lui un salaud. À votre avis, que vaut-il mieux Quel est le pays le plus intelligent du monde Est-ce que vous aimez Brahms Comme tout le monde, pas du tout. Et Chopin Dégueulasse. Quelle est votre plus grande ambition dans la vie Devenir immortel et puis mourir. I just think the way that this movie treats her and also the kind of natural arc that she's supposed to go through is that she's the one who eventually calls the cops on Michelle. And that should be a big kind of powerful moment. She betrays him. And it's filmed in such a way that it's like it's trying to almost capture the gravity of that situation. But again, his attitude is like, oh, why did you do that? I knew it. You're so stupid. Ugh, you're the worst. And I, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just like if the story was just kind of about their relationship and, you know, take out the whole element of crime or, you know, make the crimes more petty. If he was just kind of a simpler car thief, then I would kind of understand. And maybe his, like, ne'er-do-well attitude would make more sense to me because, again, oh, he's a petty criminal instead of, like, a bank robber and a cop killer. Um, but if it were just kind of solely focused on that relationship, I think this movie would kind of work. Because you're right. I mean, the highlights of the film are they're kind of like, I mean, witless banter, but that's just my opinion of it. <laughs> but yeah. I think it would work a lot better if you kind of got rid of all the superfluous stuff, like the kind of supposedly thrillery elements of it. Like you talked about how this, this is kind of meant to be a Hitchcock homage, but it's like, come on, at least Hitchcock knew to keep it consistent. <laughs> I, well, maybe not an homage to Hitchcock, but instead... Uh, like it's definitely to take, style. take his yeah well t maybe take his approach and trying to twist it in a way or what Godard would do like completely break it apart yeah. um that's it that's kind of emblematic of this entire movement um another um famous filmmaker from this era was Chris Marquet and his most famous film is a short uh movie called Le Jeté which is exclusively made out of still images oh. um yeah there's another movie I could speak to uh Alan Renee's um Last Night in Marion Bad, which is like literally, like it cuts it cuts to something different every time and completely, you know, just disregards space, story, time, <laughs> everything that, you know, is required of, of t telling a story on film. So you can kind of, in spite of your frustrations with it, I mean, do you see any kind of cultural value to it or... Mm. Or no, yeah. <laughs> no. You can respond. Yeah, you can respond to the negative, if you'd like. But um, just know that you're wrong, and you know, uh, in defiance of uh, every film critic and uh, movie appreciator on the planet. So, <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's the same thing that bothered me about this film that blow up. What bothered me so much about blow up? Not just the fact that it's too laissez-faire, it's too unstructured, but also I feel like it's just celebrated for being a time capsule to a mm -hmm. certain specific place and era that people who like to think that they're sophisticated like. Like, oh, yes, to live in Paris in the 60s. Oh, to be in England at the height of the mod era. You know, and it's like, I don't know, it just feels like kind of a shallow representation of it. And I don't know if... Well, when you say again, shallow, it, do it you feels, mean... It feels so kind of unreal to me. Okay. When yeah. you say shallow, do you mean not, not wholly insightful, not wholly, like... 
not covering like say the full breadth of the city of Paris at this time. I guess that's um, true. August, I think it's August kind of 1959 namely. <laughs> I think it's just it's it's putting an uncritical eye to it. Where it's just kind of like, oh, it was the swing in 60s, free love, drugs and it's like <laughs> I mean, it was more than that, guys. Like, where's well, like, why aren't they talking about Vietnam? What's well, going on? Well, that's a, well, that's a, the hindsight's twenty twenty, John. I think you're bringing all that information back to it. But again, they had two channels, uh, three newspapers. Like, they didn't they didn't know what was going on in Southeast Asia. They didn't know anything else about the world. Whereas you are uh, somewhat of a student of history, a student of film, and also know what works. And so. Mm we really have to cast our mind to what exactly these filmmakers are experimenting with at this point. Mm, you're right. I um, am very smart. And I think that's why I don't <laughs> like this movie. It's just with, the, no, with I, all the factors put together, I'm just, I'm so much better than it. That's the okay. issue. No. That, I think well, you're right. We've come to it. Yes. I'm just better than this movie. <laughs> no, I think uh, you should appreciate this movie for more for its uh, a being experimental and B not really having any too much objectionable content. It seems that you appreciate more other revolutionary uh, movies in cinema, such as The Birth of a Nation and The Jazz Singer. <laughs> so, at the very least, Breathless doesn't have anything have have the content that's anywhere approaching anything that bad. No, of course not. And yeah, look, just because I hate French people doesn't mean I'm racist, Greg. Okay, I still love <laughs> black people. Come on, that's not fair. <laughs> oh yeah, you have a ton of black friends. What does that have to do with France? <laughs> you brought up two racist examples. So what are you I... trying to say? <laughs> I'm saying no. I'm I'm. I'm saying it as an attempt to get you to appreciate this more um, by <laughs> twisting your logic in a way where uh, I can, you know, convince a jury of my peers that you're oh, wrong okay. and that, right, uh, yes. there's a lot of cultural value to this movie. All right. We should call this the snobs court or something. Like argue mm-hmm. against each other. Ooh, yes, this would be good. And we can have like mm-hmm. a judge and a bailiff. Ooh, it'll be fun. It'll be cute. I love it when we come up with good ideas. <laughs> yeah. Well, John, I wanted to speak a little bit to the ending because, as you said, uh, uh, his girlfriend, or whatever you call it, friends with benefit, um, Patricia, <laughs> does does in fact uh, give him up to the police, mm-hmm. and he gets shot and killed. Yes. Now, speaking of fourth wall breaking, uh, this doesn't exactly uh, break the fourth wall, but we do get this, I think, uh, a pretty glorious shot, a uh, low-angle shot of her um, kind of take, uh, surrounded by a cloudy sky, and she's kind of realized the impact of her decision. Mm-hmm. As um, uh, so- my, Michelle is stumbling... You know, he's been shot in the back, and he's, like, stumbling mm-hmm. down. You know, we get this nice tracking shot, and the handheld's nice and shaky. That kind of works. I, I won't deny yeah. that kind of works. Yeah, so again, you wanted the emotional impact of it. I mean, did you, do you think you captured any of it in this in this final moment? Or mm, No, but that's because, again, <laughs> I wasn't invested in this relationship from the beginning. He's okay. an asshole. She deserves better. So <laughs> now that he's dead, she's free to be abused by so many more men in the future. It's going to be great. Hmm. She's got so much more sexual harassment to look forward to. <laughs> well, again, John, in defiance of, of all that people appreciate about the art of cinema. <laughs> I mean, you're right. I mean, yes, you can you can appreciate something that is experimental, but it's like, look at how far we've come. Like, does this really need to be remembered or preserved as much? Absolutely. absolutely. Again, people, John, people will remember and preserve horribly racist works of art <laughs> Okay. in the name of, of technical advancement. So I, I can 
I can see also like the, the the fantastical aspect of this, the dreamlike quality of this guy and this girl in um, in this bedroom and, and being kind of intimately involved with them as voyeurs. I'm not sure how much uh, uh, Jean-Luc Godard plays with that in this movie, but I, th I think also the kind of wish fulfillment that this movie kind of provides and now not just experimenting, but also delivering this, as you said, uncritical eye on the life in Paris in, in the late 50s and early 1960s is, uh, is also what makes this, uh, also what preserves this film's reputation. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're allowed to like it, but you're wrong. So, <laughs> I, John, I've got I've got an army behind me ready oh, okay. to scurrilously attack you on Twitter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Film Twitter is going to be all. Film over Twitter this is one. coming after. Yeah. <laughs> I am so not prepared to get clapped back to this many times. Oh, it's too I know, much. No. Yeah. <laughs> Stop <laughs> with the clapbacks. Epic clapback. All right. <laughs> you obviously hate you obviously hate women with short hair. All right. So I want all the women of short hair on Twitter. <laughs> to give John an epic clapback. Manic pixie dream girls out there, <laughs> now it's your turn. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess uh, Jean Seaborg was the original It's manic pixie dream girl. I guess that's true. She's with a man who obviously deserves, or she deserves better from men, <laughs> and basically only exists to help him along She's a little, for no reason. Uh, yeah. Well, no, I mean, she gives him up, so. I guess that's true, yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I don't know. That's all I can say. I agree, don't know. agree to disagree. Yes. yes. Agree to disagree. Again, welcome first time listeners to basically the format of the show. <laughs> one of us likes the movie, one of us doesn't, and then we just uh, agree to disagree and go our separate ways. <laughs> and we let you decide. That's ultimately what yeah. this is about, guys. Yeah. We watch these yeah. movies so you don't have to. Qu'est-ce qu'elle a dit? Il a dit, vous êtes vraiment une dégueulasse. Qu'est-ce que c'est dégueulasse Wait, 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 wait. Ooh. We have to come to some consensus here, right? Hmm. I think we do. And yeah. we have to recommend something. Mm. <sighs> what, what could we do? Yeah. In well, I... so social media, obviously. I mean, there's social media, obviously. <laughs> Smash that like button. <laughs> and and also um, our, our <laughs> beloved sponsors that we just hold so dear. Yes. Um... <laughs> this week we're sponsored by... Mattress firm mattress box. <laughs> Just a box of mattresses. <laughs> Just all the mm -hmm. mattresses you could ever want. Yep. Don't forget Geek Loot. <laughs> uh, you get a monthly box, only $99 a month. You get a free uh, loot of future landfill that you could stick on your, that you could stick on your shelf, and it co it'll collect dust. It's perfect <laughs> for the movie lover in your life. Or, for, sorry, for you, because you're getting it for yourself, because you're a, a cold shut-in with no friends. <laughs> I've noticed a lot of podcasts recently have like started having like actual not like legit sponsors, but just like weird commercially commercials. Like literally, there'll be like an ad for Pepsi in between my my two hour podcast, and I'm like, what's going on here? What? Like, there's not that much money in podcasting. The reach isn't that good. Who's been listening to I, a podcast is like, you know what? I could go for a Pepsi. <laughs> well, they because I think conventional advertising via Pepsi isn't working, and they want to get these millennials any way they can. So, but Greg, without a promo code, what's anyone gonna do? Okay. Give me a promo code to enter so I can get my first free month of Pepsi. That's the only yes. way it's going to work. You're right. That's right, folks. Enter, enter the code ASPepsi. 
on Pepsi.com, you will get a you will get a, a geek loot box comprised entirely of of 30, 30 racks of Pepsi, packed within You're a welcome. mattress, and you won't yeah. know how they ship it. It's amazing how they ship this mattress. Yeah, John, who wants to go to the mattress store anymore? Disrupt the mattress industry. All right, it was founded by two broke guys who somehow uh, bought their own factory. Again, broke and you know, it, it, you know what? Don't worry about it. All right, two broke guys. That's what matters. <laughs> coming coming this fall to CBS. <laughs> Such a pity. I was going to go shop from Stamps as I was out to go buy my mattress. Could, is there yeah. a way I could get both to come at me? Uh, but enough, enough of this lame preamble. All right, let's I just do. get to it. <laughs> so preamble. No, John, a legendary bit, a legendary <laughs> run we just went on. Because uh, okay. we're, we're obviously accomplished comedians as well. Of course, they couldn't tell. <laughs> but yes, on to our recommendation segment. Spotlight. 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 It's time, Robbie. It's time. Yes, wherein we shine a spotlight on the wonderful things we've seen uh, over the past week, or we feel reflect uh, the movie we just watched. Exactly. Well, Greg, mm. this week, I actually, I, I, I'm i continuing my theme of disagreeing with critics. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yes. How? Well, John, 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 you're obviously way too contrarian. Be careful. I mean, <laughs> government agents are going to be at your door right now. <laughs> okay. Well, actually, it's more like the critics for this TV show were kind of particularly lukewarm. And uh, I'm going to say, like, no, no, guys, this is a slow simmer, all right? Come on. <laughs> Just work well, with me. Uh, well, yeah, that's hence the term lukewarm. I mean, what do you think it means? <laughs> um, but basically, I want to take this opportunity to recommend a new Netflix show that premiered this weekend, Disenchanted. Insatiable. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't gotten All that. the critics got it wrong. Okay. <laughs> no. Listen, fat fat girl becomes skinny. Uh, Clapbacks at the at the bullies. It's hilarious. Mwah. No, I was recommending Disenchanted, the newest show from okay. Matt Groening and uh, David X Cohen. The X makes him sound way cooler than he probably is. <laughs> I, yeah, they're all Harvard nerd. Well, Matt Groening is not a Harvard nerd, but yeah, all the everybody every Simpson alumnus is so. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, John, what? what John, this show seems so fresh. All right, <laughs> it's because we had we had the good years of The Simpsons, yeah, and then yeah. we had a few good years of Futurama. So clearly, we're gonna have a few good years with Disenchantment, right? Here's okay. Here's the thing. I yeah. while I do kind of agree with the critics, it's definitely not ready for prime time, but I definitely see a lot of potential in it, and it is a little unfair because Futurama was just kind of so perfect that it's kind of hard to live yeah. up for it. <laughs> And it's it's kind of finding a harder time, you know, finding its feet. Because, again, with the premise itself, Disenchanted, it's making fun of, you know, the fantasy tropes, the fantasy genre. And for that, you want it to be some kind of, like, grand sweeping epic, some kind of big long journey. That's what these fantasy genre tropes are. And mm-hmm. instead, they have to, like, keep concocting a reason for them to come back to the kingdom and then leave the kingdom and come back again. I see. So it's not an actual journey, or it's... It, Presumably not serialized in any way, even though it is on Netflix and you can watch uh, an entire season in an afternoon, right? Yeah, so instead it's like, uh, it centers around a princess, her name is Bean, and again, it comes from Disenchanted, you know, like, the whole point is that she doesn't really want to be a princess, she wants to Mm -hmm. get more out of life. And uh, it also centers around uh, another character named Elfo, who's in a very similar situation. He's not like a elf-elf, like the Lord of the Rings, Middle-earth version. But, but he's, like, Bart, he's Bart Simpson, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> but he's, he's like a Keebler elf. And okay. so he, he's ma- he makes candy all day in this very like happy, sunshiny kind of world. And he's like, he wants to experience new things. He wants to taste something bitter. And <laughs> why? I... <laughs> why, so, we'll never know, but yeah. <laughs> uh, through some kind of plot machinations, they kind of end up together in her kingdom, 
but the problem is kind of with the plot is there is a little bit of serialization. There's uh, there's these two kind of dark wizards who are kind of like putting the machinations in motion. Machinations mm-hmm. in motion. Really eloquent, John. Good job. Um, I, <laughs> I thought it was fine. Okay. <laughs> um, and so what they do is they introduce um, Bean to her own personal demon, whose name is Lucy. And ah. if, if, again, we're drawing comparisons to Futurama, he's basically the Bender character. He's completely okay. immoral, and his job is basically to make her act immoral and make all the wrong decisions. And the, I guess the problem is, again, there's really no forward momentum. Again, it's very episodic, even though it does have these grander allusions to being, you know, kind of serialized. They have to figure out, like, a kind of misadventure that they need to go off of, but they need to concoct a reason for her to go off. And that's, again, comparing it to Futurama, Futurama was perfect because it had the most perfect premise ever. They're a package <laughs> delivery company. They they have the perfect excuse to go off to some bizarre sci-fi spoof world that they want week to week. And again, it's also comedically genius because, again, package delivery, something so mundane and boring in a fantastical future world where teleportation probably should have been invented by now. Yeah. <laughs> so, if, Well, also, just the fish-out-of-water humor is great. Exactly. And, and yeah, sadly, again, it's the most solid yeah, premise, <laughs> premise for any sitcom ever. Exactly. So it's like... Because Disenchanted really doesn't have that. It still has kind of like the jokes, but again, like they can't really get the plots to kind of work. And also there's really no kind of like standout characters. Part of what the quality that made Futurama and The Simpsons great is that, you know, you'll take this kind of like third rate character or this kind of background person who was great for like one joke and then eventually he'll like come to the center. He'll be like, Mm -hmm. he'll eventually get developed. No one's really the standout quite yet. So we'll see if that ever happens. Again, I kind of want to, credit the show for having good potential but it's really not ready yet okay well yeah. <laughs> i'm bringing endorsement from you <laughs> again you started you started this with like the critics are all wrong but they're also not wrong <laughs> exactly <laughs> and granted the first uh season of futurama wasn't great either but it eventually became a great show no, so guys give it a chance yeah. give it a chance yeah. guys come on okay though why don't we just wait till season two when it becomes good apparently because if you don't support it now there won't get a, there won't be a second season great come on oh come on it's netflix, netflix is clamping green light are you kidding they, they they're canceling green like light, crazy green light 10 seasons of the show already no they're canceling like crazy great come on are you kidding me mm-hmm. i know john if, if insatiable can't make it i mean <laughs> what show can <laughs> they just canceled that joe McHale show they just canceled that michelle wolf show they're just ugh. i know boop, 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 they canceled boop, boop, chelsea nothing's working greg nothing's working poor netflix no they invested well, billions. No, those, those weird weekly live shows aren't working. <laughs> they invested billions into these shows, Greg. Okay. The least we can do is at least not only give them $10 oh, a so month. So should we shed a tear for Joel McHale? Yeah, we should shed a tear for Netflix just... in general. Okay. Like they're working so hard to just give us content, regardless of quality. All right. All right. Just <laughs> always throwing content at us. So just get, con- I, just get I, that I, sweet, yeah. sweet content. Yeah. They understand. They understand. Mm-hmm. Their biggest competition is sleep. So yeah, <laughs> good one. Well, John, I'm glad you watched something new this week because I did not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I'm going to do the other half of Spotlight, which is recommend something that we feel uh, maybe reflects or even better reflects the movie that we just watched. If you recommend another French New Wave movie, I'm going to be so mad at you. <laughs> no, 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 John, uh, you're going to be even even angrier at who I'm going to recommend. Oh no. Not just a single film, but it's also the filmography of a very special director that I don't think we've talked about very much. Okay. Um, he's a young, plucky Englishman. Um, actually, he has dual citizenship between the U.S. and the and the uh, and the U.K. Okay. Um, like me, he also has a brother named Jonathan. Okay. 
And uh, he hasn't gotten a lot of attention worldwide, but I'm going to bring a spotlight to him now. Um, have you heard of this filmmaker named Christopher Nolan? <laughs> no, please tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my all-time favorite director is Akira Kurosawa. He's the head of my church. But uh, mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan's like an elder or a bishop, you know, pretty much uh, just a, a slightly one rung down. So... I actually wanted to recommend a movie that kept coming in my mind as I was watching Breathless, and that's his first feature-length film called Following. Mm. I've only seen bits and pieces of it. I've never actually seen the whole thing. Yes. Uh, like Breathless, it's shot in black and white, mostly handheld, in a very cosmopolitan European city. Mm-hmm. Um, it also centers around a miscreant. In this case, it's a young man um, who is, uh, who's a writer, who's got writer's block. Mm. And essentially what he does is uh, trail, follow, if you will, um, people (laughs) to get inspirations. And he falls in with a burglar um, whose name is Cobb. Those those who remember is that uh, Christopher Nolan would do another movie in which the hero is a thief named Cobb. And that movie was Inception. And Cobb is played by Killian Murphy, a frequent (laughs) collaborator. (laughs) No, the the only actually professional actor that I think uh, Christopher Nolan worked with in this movie was his uncle, John Nolan. Oh, okay. Um, who, if you remember, had a bit part in Batman Begins, and I think that was it. Um, okay. He could he could move on from that. Just cut his family out, out of it. <laughs> is he one of those cops who's like, what's going on? The sewers are exploding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, don't make fun of the extras in Christopher Nolan movie. They're trying their damnedest, right? You're out of your mind, pal. <laughs> If that if that train gets to the central hub of the <laughs> at Wayne Tower, I also want people to appreciate he never uses second unit. So if there's ever a bad scene, it's all Christopher Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> he was there. He was present. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, getting back to following, there there's nary a bad scene in following um, because at a scant seventy minutes. Um, it, it's really emblematic of a, of, a, of a young filmmaker who's experimenting and trying new things. And it's weird how uh, watching his very first film, it's like, he was, it's like he was already like a chrysalis, like already coming out as a, as a brilliant filmmaker because um, what is a very straightforward story of this, uh, this uh, young writer kind of falling in with a, with a pretty sophisticated and, and captivating thief um, and eventually following him into a life of crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to that, you see the other, like uh, every other hallmark that uh, <laughs> Christopher Nolan now uses, um, little cuts like flashbacks and flash forwards, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that just make it that much more compelling. The the one that sticks out in my mind is uh, we briefly cut to a scene on a rooftop where our young writer is um, on the ground, collapsed. He's been beaten up and coughs out a, a glove. <laughs> okay. And and then we actually yeah, and it's and it's kind of like a, a weird service to. Uh, flash forward, and then we arrive at that scene at the second and third act break when he gets beaten up by this uh, this thief Cobb, um, who stuffs one of the, one of the gloves he uses to make sure that he doesn't get fingerprints on the house he's just robbed, um, and stuffs it into this guy's mouth. And so it's like it it comes full circle, and it and it's fascinating for such an amateurish movie to be kind of that thought forward and that sophisticated. <laughs> So again, it's it's actually like hugely impressive for this like cheap movie that he shot on weekends mm-hmm. with a bunch of amateurs. Um, it's amazing how like well done it is, and what an exceptionally talented filmmaker he was even at that age. Hot take: Christopher Nolan, talented. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first from Greg Mantel. Yeah, I will. I will say not perfect. <laughs> Um, it does feature probably the funniest line I've ever heard, unintentionally. Um, <laughs> Comedy from Christopher Nolan. That's what he's yeah. known for. Yeah. <laughs> it's got those chops. However, yes, I, I, I always giggle when I think of... Um, there, there's a woman who becomes the object of this young writer's affection. Mm-hmm. And um, when he first meets her at her house, um, she says, I just got burgled. 
Bagelt. <laughs> yeah, that always makes me giggle. Bagelt. Bagelt. I was just hanging out in the garden. <laughs> no, John, these are these are these are London's fist kits. They've all been to they've all been to Cambridge, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, where where can you find that film? Is it like uh, on Filmstruck or anything? Because I assumed it, is, it was it, it was hard to find because it's pretty obscure. It it was thankfully now it's on Filmstruck and it is much more, it is uh, more widely available to uh, Christopher Nolan stands such as myself. So <laughs> Christopher Nolanites, yeah, and I believe it was in the public domain for a while. <laughs> That's how kind of simple and it was, and it wasn't until Memento that he really captured the public's imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, which actually I think is his, is his um, least good film. So Really? Yeah, I, I didn't like Memento that much. Okay, I need to rewatch yeah. it. I remember liking it a lot the first time I saw it, but I don't know. Yeah. I have You trouble, and the rest of IMDb. I have trouble remembering it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> that is the kind of quality humor <laughs> you can expect from the aspiring snobs week after week. So why don't yes. you hit that subscribe button so you'll be in the know Ready. Smash it. Destroy it. Obliterate it. <laughs> I want you to punch your computer screen. I, I just want you to destroy Or your smartphone. It. Blow it all up. Blow it all down. Yeah. When you subscribe mm-hmm. to Aspiring Snobs and you're ready for every new episode every week. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Man stuff. <laughs> That's what people think when they listen to this episode. Man stuff. <laughs> man stuff. Yo, watching this 1960 French movie, Breathless. <laughs> Dude, Dude, badass. He kills a cop. Dude, that chicken's so tight. <laughs> yeah, bones a girl with short hair. <laughs> Sweet. And once you're done with that, you can follow yeah. us on social media as well. You can go to our Twitter page. You can go to our Facebook page. You can find mm-hmm. us and keep up with all the latest news, events, updates, and light comedy. Yeah, because we're doing we're doing more news. I don't know if people have been listening to frequent uh, our most recent episodes. We're we're reviewing we're reviewing important news such as the Academy Award nomination changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? QAnon was in the news recently. <laughs> That's something I'm sure a lot of people haven't heard about that on podcasts yet. Of so. course, <laughs> yeah. And also, we're we're on the hot tips of crazy rich Asians. Okay, get come here for all your latest uh, yeah. crazy rich Asian news. Yeah, already a, sequ- a sequel's been fast tracked. <laughs> More crazy rich Asians. Well, there is there is a sequel that the to the book uh, oh. Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah, what's it called? Uh, who's which name? It, it's escaping me. It, it might as well be called Crazier Rich Asians. Okay, <laughs> look who's crazier, richer Asian now. Yeah, <laughs> but John, that's not all. I mean, we're not just on social media. No, people get in touch with us personally. They can reach out to us at our email, aspiringsnobs at gmail dot com, with your questions, recommendations, and comments. Yes, tell John how wrong he is about breathless i'm very sensitive and very easily triggered so please <laughs> keep your criticisms to a minimum force john off twitter no don't do that guys <laughs> twitter's a place of peace all right come as you are that's the slogan for twitter <laughs> exactly it's it's a bastion of free speech so if i, if I want to say if i want to say that this genocide was exaggerated then i should be welcome to do that if i need a space a safe space to harass the victims of poor murdered children, I should be allowed to do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of speaking of news, <laughs> we have fun. John, we've got some big news coming next week. What in, and it's the movie we're watching. Yes. What is it, John, for our audience so that they can watch along with us next week? I I, I was th- looking back on it. I don't think we've seen a single John Carpenter film. So next week we're going to no. be revisiting one of his seminal masterworks, Escape from New York. <laughs> I, I guess we couldn't wait till to watch Halloween at Halloween. No, no. Instead, we're going to watch... Well, Greg, we have to be prepared for it. We have to work our way up, okay? 
<laughs> by uh, by watching his third movie. <laughs> we have to get we have to adjust to all that synth now. Okay, we can't handle all that synth at once. <laughs> no, no, we can't. So again, '80s fanboys, please <laughs> listen along with us. Yes, stay tuned for next week, and thank you everybody mm-hmm. for listening. And until next time, keep aspiring. <laughs> I don't know what the song I'm just making up an 80s beat. I mean, that was quite perfect. <laughs>